one book that we open every single week, and we believe it is the gospel that is the power of salvation for those who believe. And so many of you in this room, even as I think about heaven, I've just thought about names of people that I know that two years ago I wouldn't have seen there. But by the mighty and wondrous grace of God, this is going to be a party tonight, but there is a better party awaiting us one day. It's going to be a blast. So let me pray, and then we'll jump into our time together. Yeah, Father, in just, in just two and a half years, to see what you've done in this place is nothing short of miraculous, and I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss nights like this that are a celebration for us, a party for us, a joy to jump and a joy to dance and a joy to raise our voices, to sing praises to you, to sing incredible songs that represent our heart for you. I don't want to miss that. But Father, far more than what you've done in this place, what we're grateful for is the work of what you did 2,000 years ago on a cross. Without the crucifixion, Salt Company is nothing it's a social gathering of a couple college students. Without the gospel, none of this matters. But because of your grace, I'll be able to see some of my friends in heaven one day praising songs to you and being taken aback by your glory. So, Father, tonight, I pray that it would be a homecoming for some of us. Those who are far gone would be brought near. Those who never thought they'd enter into an environment like this would actually come expecting to come to Salt Company, but would actually enter into eternal life. Father, we believe that tonight in this place, you have incredible plans, and we're just excited to watch. Thanks for your faithfulness. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you guys ever thought that heaven sounds kind of mid? Okay, okay. Just hold on. Okay, literally, guys. This is what I was thinking about while I was prepping this sermon. I was like, okay, what did I used to think heaven was like? All I could think of was babies playing harps on a cloud. Like, that's the only mental image. You know what I mean? I was like, why do I think about that? Like, am I going to become a baby? I had that thought. I was like, shoot, I hope not because being a baby, like, they're cute, but you don't want to go back. Um, I, I bet for many of us, our perspectives of heaven are pretty lackluster. When we think about heaven, we probably think of some like, you know, we're like floating around. You know, kind of, kind of doing things, but mostly just lounging. Maybe you think of, you know, only singing worship songs to Jesus because you've heard that used in a couple times in a sermon, which is only kind of half true. We'll talk about that later. I don't know what you think about when you think of heaven. My guess is you're not actually that excited about going because you don't have a vision of heaven that's worth your life longing for. So what I want to talk to you about tonight is this incredibly simple idea that I think we're going to find in Revelation chapter 21, and that is that heaven is amazing. And my goal is to actually make it more real for you, that it would be less mysterious and mystique, and you would actually see the tangible heaven that we're being invited into. So if you've got a Bible, we'd love for you to turn to Revelation chapter 1, 21. No babies and harps, okay? This is the real heaven stuff we're going to talk about. Revelation chapter 21, we're just going to look at four verses and we're going to look about what heaven is and why it matters for us today. I've got about 20 minutes, so I'm going to zoom through this. I told Leo it's going to be quick, okay? Revelation chapter 21, let's look at what is it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, 
a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Okay, you guys got to stay locked with me on this one, okay? Because what we're about to talk about tonight is the little known secret that heaven actually has two phases. That's right. I know. Crazy. Not two heavens, two phases of one heaven, okay? It's like a good sequel and a prequel. You know what I'm saying? Like it's good, it's a good time. Two parts to one story. Here's the first phase of heaven. It's what we call the throne room of God. This is when you die. If you have placed your, la- your faith in Jesus, if Jesus has become your true treasure, like Leo said, if the idols in your life have been melted away by the grace of God, when you die, your soul ascends to heaven, to the throne room of God, where you will sing praises to him forever. That's that imagery that you may be heard of, that you're going to sing praises to Jesus, that the angels and you will sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now in phase one of heaven and by which you will go to if you believe in Jesus. That sounds simple. Now let's get confusing, okay? (laughs) Holy cow, I don't even understand this stuff. I have like three-fourths of a master's in theology, not the whole thing. So so Abby was like, are you ordained? I'm like, "Ah, kind of. Anyways, moving on. Oh, God. That was embarrassing for me. I was like, shoot, should I be? Okay. Second half. Second half of heaven is what Revelation 21 is talking about. Look at at the verse. It says it's going to come down. From the first heaven is going to come down a new Jerusalem, a city that will descend from heaven that Jesus Christ will inaugurate by his second coming. Now, I know a bunch of stuff I just said right there literally makes no sense. Here's what's going to happen. If you die right now tonight, your soul will ascend into the throne room of God and you will be in the perfect presence of God. But when Jesus comes back for the second coming, He will ride down on a white stallion and he will inaugurate a new kingdom here on earth called the New Jerusalem. And as you looked at last week in Colossians 3, when he rises, when he ascends into the world, we too will resurrect in our bodies. Okay. Here's the completed theology of heaven that quite literally no one knows about. Like, I don't know why this is such a secret. It's actually like super clear in the Bible. You first ascend by your spirit and then you actually resurrect your body in the second coming. So here's what's actually true about heaven. Heaven is not an only spiritual reality, okay? You don't just float around like a ghost, okay, for all of eternity, like, oh, where should I go? I can go through doors. No, no. It is not only a spiritual reality, but it is a bodily resurrection with King Jesus here on this earth, fully redeemed. Okay, why does that matter so much for us today? Because so many of us have come in with a theology of heaven that is so flimsy that our hearts do not long for it. Listen, if it's just a spiritual, like, thing, you know, why would we even be excited about that? Like, that sounds, frankly, kind of boring. I mean, it just does, okay? I'm not trying to diss the first heaven. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's not as good as the real thing. But the real thing is that one day Jesus will inaugurate his new kingdom here on earth by his new Jerusalem. And you will have a perfected body that's resurrected and you'll live forever. That's the vision of heaven. Five fun facts I've got for you on heaven. 
In my notes, I wrote he, he, okay, because I'm just like, this is exciting. All right, five fun facts I've got for you in heaven to hopefully give you a little bit of a sense of how metaphysical it will actually be. Not just hypothetical, metaphysical, real place. Okay, first thing is, it will be tangible. That's right. Ooh. I don't know about you guys, but I like grabbing apples with my hands, you know, and eating them. Ooh, how delicious. Yes, that will be the case in heaven. You will be a full resurrected body. You will walk the streets of the new Jerusalem. You will be able to hug people. You'll have actual conversations. You won't walk through doors. Unlikely. Maybe, but that would be really cool. But that would be like if you had a superpower. But most people will not walk through doors. It will be a tangible, actual place that you will reside in. The second thing is you will have a stewardship. This means you will not just stand there twiddling your thumbs for all of eternity. Think about how boring that would be. You guys know when you have a day off and then you watch Netflix from like 8 to noon and you're like, oh, no. What do I do for the rest of my hours today? Like that is, that is a horrible feeling. You're like, goodness gracious. Heaven will not be like that, okay? It will not be the gross feeling you have when you've only had frozen pizzas and Netflix for like 12 hours. That's not what heaven's going to be like. You will have an actual stewardship. You'll be given something to cultivate by God. God will give you something to build, and unlike the futility of this world, it will be meaningful. It will never go away. Listen, work right now is a cursed thing. It is a product of the sin curse. That's why you hate your manager, okay? <laughs> I don't know, maybe, but it's just true. Work right now is a cursed reality. In heaven, we will have things to steward, but we'll enjoy every second of it. It will be life-giving to us to work what God has called us to work. The third thing is it will be perfect and without sin. This is my personal favorite. <laughs> it's fantastic. Here's what will be true in heaven. The sin curse will be lifted. Listen, I think as humanity, we just don't even realize how broken the world is. Some of you guys have realized that your life has sin and the catastrophe of your life. When you sin and sin destroys your life, you're like, wow, the sin curse is real. But the sin curse is not just on you individually, it's on every created thing. The reason why things decay, the reason why we build structures and they crumble, the reason why people die prematurely, the reason why cancer exists is because the sin curse has infected every single created reality. Here's what will be true in the new Jerusalem. There is no more sin and therefore no more sin curse. You will not decay. You will not die. Guys, think about how delightful. Have you ever woken up and your back hurts for no reason? You're like, okay, that is offensive. You know, you're like, why? Why? I'm not even athletic. Why? You're like, have that thought. Makes sense if you're like a football player. But why me, you know? This normal person. Your back will never hurt in heaven. I mean, this is exciting stuff. Like, it is a great time. Your ankles won't ever hurt. You know, when you get off a flight and they're all like cankles. You know, you'll never have that in heaven. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. Amen. That is just true. Nothing in your body will be decayed. I want you to think about this. Cancer will not exist in heaven. Babies will not die in heaven. Jesus will be fully reigning with his perfected life. And there will be no more pain or suffering anymore. That's the vision of heaven we have. Number four. It will be breathtakingly beautiful. You guys ever have a moment where you're in nature? This is the most granola thing I'll say all year, okay? I just, I know it's coming. Some of you guys are like, oh no, what's he about to say? Okay, stay with me. You guys ever have a moment in nature where it's so beautiful you stop thinking about yourself? I have a tattoo on my arm of an ocean wave because I remember a couple months after I got saved, I went out to Los Angeles, the promised land. Oh my gosh, amazing. Wow. 
It's actually kind of spiritually dark. But, you know, it's, it's a fantastic location nature-wise. And the land of Pharaoh, goodness gracious. That's dark. Okay. I remember going out to Los Angeles and getting into the ocean. And I'm like four feet tall, so the waves were taller than me. It was fantastic. And I got in the waves. And for hours upon hours upon hours, the waves washed over me. And for the first time, maybe like in my entire life, I spent an extended period of time being so captivated by the beauty of creation, I stopped thinking about myself. That moment will be extended for all of eternity in heaven. Listen, some of you guys think the reason why you don't have joy is because your circumstances aren't good enough. The reason why you're not happy is because you're far too consumed with yourself. And what heaven will be is a chance to spend eternity gazing upon Christ and his creation, not at yourself. And it will be the greatest joy you could ever imagine. Number five, the presence of God will be a blanket over it. Listen, this is what it's going to feel like to walk the streets of the new Jerusalem. I don't exactly know how it's going to work because it says we're going to see Jesus, but is he like all, everywhere all the time? I don't know, okay? But what I'm trying to say here is that you will walk the streets of the new Jerusalem and it will be as if Jesus is walking by you all the time. Listen, there are very few moments in my life that I felt the presence of God so viscerally that it actually like altered my state of reality. You know, like it almost made like, I had to like look in from like a third party's perspective, like what's happening? And the only way I can describe it is that the presence of God was so real in my life. Listen, heaven will be that way. You won't need to seek any spiritual highs. You won't need to go to spiritual environments. Every place you walk, everything you do will be so enveloped in the presence of God that you will feel a peace in your soul that you can't even comprehend. Here's what I'm trying to say about heaven. Yeah, the two-phase thing, whatever. In New Jerusalem, life will be as it was meant to be. See, what we're going to see in Revelation 21 is not just a new place, but it's actually going back to an old place. Because in Genesis chapter 1, God created a garden by which all these things were true. Perfect presence of God. Perfect communion with his people, breathtakingly beautiful. We're going forward to a place that we were designed for. That's what heaven is. Now, here's the question. How should that change our lives today? A couple of things I want to share with you. The first one is, and I want you to hear this. If heaven is real, that's eternity. This life is very short we have a finite amount of time to tell people about Jesus. Listen, if you are not living a missional life, you either have a bad theology in heaven or you don't love people, but you don't get to do both. The reality is every single person, the moment they die, their souls will either ascend into heaven or they will go to the alternative reality of hell. You have a finite amount of time on this earth to live a missional life. And if that's true and you believe that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, what's a little money and comfort and convenience now to give up for the kingdom of God? You've got 70 years. That's nothing. 
that's going to be over before you even think about it. In heaven, do you think you're really going to think about, man, you know, should I have had a 5-3 or a 4-2? Like, you're not going to be thinking about that. You're not going to be thinking about whether you should drive Marty the Matrix or Tesla. You're just not going to think about that. In heaven, you will praise God that you gave up the comforts, conveniences of this world so that others could have an entrance into the kingdom of God. The one thing you will regret is not how much you gave up, but that you didn't give up enough. So if heaven is real, live in light of that reality. Second thing that heaven should make us do in, this, in a room this size, it should make all of us take a moment to ask ourselves how genuine is our faith. Listen, the stakes are incredibly high. Being saved is not because you grew up in a Christian home. It's not because you know a couple Bible verses. It's not because you know the right things to do or you judge other people because you're better than them. Being saved is a product of your soul that can only come through Jesus' redemptive plan in your life. Here's why this is so important for some of you. For many of you in this room, you have never once sat down and asked the question, am I actually a Christian? And if the stakes are incredibly high, that the genuineness of your faith will determine where you spend eternity, then a night like this is a great time to ask that question. And the third thing that it's gonna change in our lives is how we suffer. And in order to show you that, that's what I'm gonna emphasize. We're gonna look at verse four. Turn with me to verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Guys, here's what it's gonna be like to get to heaven. The new Jerusalem is going to be awesome. It's going to be beautiful. I assume there will be many mangoes. I'm really hoping for that one. I love mangoes. They're so good. It's just true. You're going to see the beauty of heaven. And you know what's going to be far more beautiful than the created things? The creator of those things. You will bypass all of those things and you will run into the arms of Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but I've kind of thought this out. I'm like, man, what am I going to do when I first get to heaven? I think I'm just going to hug Jesus, you know, be like, I've been waiting for this moment my entire life to hug the God who saved my soul for like a year. Because who's in a rush in eternity? You know, it's like, we've got time. I'm going to hug him. And then like Revelation 21 says, I'm going to cry my eyes out. I'm going to cry to him about the suffering of this world. I'm going to cry to him about the pain of my childhood. I'm going to cry to him about the years of depression. I'm going to let out every tear at the culmination of all of the pain of this life. And you know what Revelation 21 verse 4 says? With his hand, he will wipe away every single tear. Listen, what this text gives me is a hope and a peace in incredible suffering. One of my kind of major doubts in Christianity, which I know as a pastor, you're not supposed to have those. You're like, <laughs> what are those? Kick, boom, nope. So this is what's just true. One of my major doubts in Christianity has been asking Jesus, 
if you're so good, why is there so much suffering in the world? And honestly, there are certain types of suffering in my life I don't have cliche answers for. I have good theology. I know what Romans 8 says. And yet there's certain types of suffering that happen in life that are so painful and unexplainable that it's only moments like Revelation chapter 21 that hold me steady to the hand of Jesus. And one of those things is, um, I never met my grandfather on my mom's side because as a child he was abducted and taken to a concentration camp and tortured. And so in his early 30s he's di he died of uh, uh, his, his organs gave up on him because he was tortured as a kid. And the reality is, he likely never heard the good news of Jesus. Statistically, it is incredibly improbable that someone told him that the God of the universe wanted a relationship like with him. There was no salt company back then. He was in a country that had almost no access to the gospel. And because of that, my mom grew up in starvation and incredible poverty. And she lived a really, really hard life. That category of suffering, senseless, broken, heinous crimes against humanity, I have questions that I'm going to ask to Jesus when I get there. And it's texts like Revelation chapter 21 that reminds me of his intimacy that even when I don't have answers to my pain, he's gonna wipe away every tear. Listen, I say that because I think there's some of you in this room where your stories are laced with suffering like that, with suicide and abuse and divorce and parents dying early with rape and emotional and physical abuse. And you're probably sitting there and you're asking the question, how do I have peace in the midst of this incredible pain? Listen, the only way you will have peace in the midst of that incredible pain is to trust that one day you will get to heaven and Jesus will wipe away every tear. So Christians, here's my invitation for you. We suffer different. We suffer in a different way because we have a promise from God that one day we will have the answers to our questions even if we don't get them in this life. And one day we will arrive at heaven. We will give Jesus the greatest, longest hug you could ever imagine and he will wipe away every tear in your life. So as we review, what is heaven? It is a real place a perfected people, a perfected place, a perfected presence. What should it change in our lives? It should change the way that we sacrifice things in our life for the kingdom of God. It should change the way we look at our own belief structures. Do we actually have genuine belief of Jesus? And it can change the way we suffer, that even in unexplainable suffering, we can hold on to the peace of knowing that one day, he will wipe away every tear. So as I call the worship band back up, I just want to end our time with 
seven reasons why I long for heaven. Now that you know that heaven is a legitimate place, it is an actual place where you will go with a real Jesus and a real people. Here are seven reasons why I cannot wait to go to heaven. I can't wait to never be tired again. Guys, I've been tired for like three years. Okay, what's up with that? Like, I've not woken up rejuvenated in like 36 months, okay? I cannot wait to go to heaven and never be tired again. Never have a day where my body aches. Never have a day where my mind is exhausted. Never be tired again. I can't wait to never be anxious again. Guys, what is there to fear in the perfected, created order of our Christ? Nothing. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? You never had anything to worry about again? That's going to be a good time. I can't wait to never want to sin again. I can't wait to feel that conviction in my heart of knowing that I've outstepped the design of God in my life. I can't wait to think about the sin that I used to struggle with and be like, no problem, fantastic. I can't wait to feel what it feels like to not be selfish anymore. Guys, that moment where you're in nature and you're like, holy cow, my life does not matter that much. That moment, can you imagine the joy of never looking inward into yourself, always looking out towards Jesus? It's going to be a great time. I can't wait to build things with Jesus and not have to experience the futility of this world. Guys, remember our Ecclesiastes series? Holy cow, that was dark. Wow. Praise Jesus, we're through that. But, you know, Ecclesiastes. Everything of this world is meaningless. Why? Because it all ends in futility, not in heaven. I can't wait to never experience death or decay. Guys, one of the hardest things about being a pastor is I hear of death so often, all the time. And there's something so unnatural about that, isn't it? That you can know someone for their entire life. They can live a healthy life that honors Jesus and then in a moment they can die and you can never see them again until heaven. I can't wait till we never have to experience that again. And the last one is, more than all these things, I cannot wait to hug Jesus, man. Oh my gosh, he's gotta be a great hugger, right? Like, don't you think so? Don't you think he bear hugs you, you know? One time I hugged someone who was like a foot and a half taller than me and I was like, I'm your child. Like, that's what it's gonna feel like with Jesus. That is gonna be so good, like, praise God. I cannot wait. So as we close, here's what's true in Revelation chapter one. Heaven is a real place that you will go if you believe in Jesus. But here's also what's true. Is as real as heaven is, so is hell. You will either spend the rest of your life honoring Jesus or making much of yourself and the day you die, your soul will either go to the throne room of God or spend eternity apart from Jesus forever in what Revelation 21 calls the lake of fire. And listen, here's what we're about here at Salt Company. We're not trying to make this easier to hear. We're not trying to fluff it up, okay? I'm not a used car salesman, all right? I just want you to know the simple reality there are two options for you the day you die. You either spend eternity in the new Jerusalem in heaven forever with Jesus, or you spend eternity apart from him forever in hell. 
And so I wanna give you a moment here to think critically about what you believe. Do you believe you will go to heaven because of what you have done? Because of your works, your story, how good of a person you are? That right there is a highway to hell. Or do you believe that the grace of Jesus is enough for you? Do you believe, back to week two, that the man on the middle cross said, I could come? Do you believe in salvation by grace alone? So in the next couple moments before we enter back into worship, if you look under your chair or on your chair, you received a little card. We put out like 300 pens, but that's probably not enough. So you might need to grab a pen from a neighbor. What we're gonna do as we enter back into worship, we're just gonna spend a couple minutes reflecting on how good Jesus has been to us this fall. On the top half of the sheet, you're gonna see things like, I put my faith in Jesus. I've been saved by Christ. Kip, Joey, so many people have been saved by Jesus. For some of you tonight, that's your moment right now where your heart is being regenerated by the Spirit. I want you to write that down. Some of you, you got in community for the first time. Some of you, you start reading your Bible for the first time. And, and if none of those things apply, or if you just want to do anyways, I'd recommend you turn around that sheet and you just write sin in your life Jesus killed. Trauma in your life that Jesus healed. Ways that Jesus moved in you or you learned of God. Write down how good Jesus has been to you. And on the bottom of that sheet, write down next steps. Listen, here's what it means to be a Christian. We always take steps forward with Jesus. So what is Jesus calling you to in this next season of your life? And as you write down those things and as we reflect, after the service, you can drop those things in buckets. We're going to pray for you. We're going to celebrate with you. And as you reflect for the next couple minutes after that, we're going to worship King Jesus together. Let's spend a couple minutes praising him for what he's done.